0: Hey, everyone. This is Josh Peak, and welcome to The Josh Peak Show. Uh, today, I interviewed a really, really good friend of mine, uh, Chad Parks. Uh, normally, we interview uh, entrepreneurs, leaders, uh, maybe even sometimes politicians when we talk about the business world. But every Wednesday, uh, I'm going to interview someone that... Um, that is in the wrestling world. It's a passion of mine. My son wrestles. I've wrestled. Um, and I have a lot of friends that are in the wrestling world that are also entrepreneurs. So you're going to really in- enjoy this interview. Uh, he talks about the coach uh, wrestling, uh, the wrestler relationship. So the coach wrestler relationship, which I think is very important uh, to find a great coach. And, you know, because I think a coach is going to. You know be one of the most influential people in your child your wrestlers lives well or any any sport for that matter but in wrestling for sure so enjoy this show uh a good friend of mine chad parks thank you
1: this is josh Peek. welcome to the josh peak show um we interview entrepreneurs high performers and uh and every wednesday uh we interview um someone in the wrestling or mma world uh, that's that's a passion of mine my son wrestles i've wrestled the majority of my life and um today the first uh, wrestling wednesday uh interview that i'm doing is with a good friend of mine he's more than just a good friend we go back a long ways we um we actually we wrestled against each other once and then we ended up going to the same college uh and wrestling with each other and uh, he's meant the world to me because he's opened my eyes up to a lot of things uh in in the beginning of our relationship it was he opened my eyes up spiritually but also to uh different ways of looking at things wrestling wise and just life and so today i have a good friend of mine uh chad Parks. chad i'm glad you're on today Yeah, hey, thanks, Josh. I appreciate you having me on, brother. I'm excited to get going with this. Yeah, I am too. Um, So I talked to Chad. You know, we we talk all the time, but just a minute ago we were talking about cutting weight and uh, talking about methods of doing that and how kids and coaches uh, coaches may be teaching it wrong, kids may be doing it wrong. That may be a conversation we have. Uh, later on, but this this first conversation, uh, Chad has is going to have a unique experience with it, unique perspective because uh, he wrestled for his dad. And the the subject I want to talk about is the athlete, um, the coach, and the athlete relationship. Um, he he actually, if you follow Chad uh, on Facebook, he he did a video of it, and I thought that would be a great conversation to have on my podcast. Um, Chad also has a book. Uh, in this podcast, I'm gonna have some text where you can we can um, we can link it to it to so where you can go uh purchase it. It's a great book, it's a must have. And my son uh I got him a copy and uh as well. And so uh Chad, let's first start talking about the coach athlete relationship. It's it's more important than just you know, by watching your video, it's a lot more important than just grinding a kid and being tough on a kid or um uh, or even going the other way and just letting kids slide by and not really care much at all. But, um, tell me kind of your, you know, when you get started with a kid, your wrestling, um, uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how you start your relationships off and, and kind of how you progress the relationship as you go on the journey. Yeah. Uh, for me, I believe that the building relationships is one of the absolute keys and pillars and foundations for coaching, and, uh, you know, there's, I guess, kind of old school, and I'm a little old school in some ways, but you kind of have an old school method back in the day where people, as coaches, almost treated athletes the same way that uh, people were treated whenever they entered the military. You know, it's kind of, I say this, you do this. And that worked maybe to a point, you know, but I feel like, you know, back in those days and then uh, progressing to today, that you really need to build a, a relationship with your athlete. And whenever you do that, and the coaches who do that successfully, they get the absolute most out of the athlete and they both benefit from that relationship. So, and, you know, I believe in this to the point that it's literally the first chapter of my book. Um, there's an intro in my book and then there is a relational coaching. And so for me, and, you know, Josh, you hit it right on the head. You said, uh, you know, whenever we're doing this, we want to build a relationship, but it's not to the point, you know, we're not just like letting things slide. So there's kind of a unique blend that goes on with relationships. And, you know, you ask when I very first start working with an athlete, you know, kind of how do we do that and how does it progress? Um, I think, first off, every coach needs to use their own personality. And, you know, one thing I found in years of first off, being uh, my dad was a coach for 37 years, so being a coach's son and then moving into coaching myself, A lot of people coach how they were coached. And that's not a bad thing if you had a good coach. Um, It's not a bad thing if that's your personality. But if you didn't have a great coach in your life, or maybe you had a coach who was real hardcore or was a yeller, things like that, and that's not you, then you shouldn't coach in that style. Okay, so whenever we go in and we work with an athlete and we're building relationships, we want to make sure that we are using – our personality, first off. And I think Tony Dungy is a great example of that. Uh, the Mentor Leader is one of his books. It's been a really influ- you know, influential book of my life. And, you know, as you read the book, you realize that Tony, uh, you know, he's pretty soft-spoken. He doesn't cuss. He doesn't do things like that. doesn't allow his staff to stop and so, But basically he used his personality and was able to do that um, all the way to the level that they won a Super Bowl. So, you know, pretty early on I figured out – I don't want to just coach how I was coached. I want to be able to use my personality. And a lot of that is uh, working with kids and building relationships with them. And so, you know, but then as I thought about it, the best coaches that I had, the ones who really impacted me in a positive way, did that. My dad being one of those, uh, Coach Atterbury, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, one of my football and wrestling coaches, Coach Jody Thompson, one of my college wrestling coaches, they had this way of building relationships. They also have a way of holding you accountable and caring about you. And um, so that's the thing. If you really care about somebody, you're going to hold them to high standards. You're going to make sure that they're doing the right things day in and day out all the time. So I'll give an example, and this comes from the video that you talked about, Josh, uh, with Coach Atterbury. So Coach Atterbury, he's a legend where I'm from, was a great football coach. And he's pretty old school. You know, he's one of those guys that back in the day, I mean, we'd be working out at football practice, and he's like, water makes you weak. You know, he's just one of one of those kind of coaches. But he also built relationships with you, and he loved you. Um, so what I talked about in that video is Coach Atterbury would literally keep me after every single wrestling practice, this was during my high school career. He would keep me after practice every single day. So we'd go through practice. Everybody else would get to leave. And I'd hear, Parks, come on. And so Coach Atterbury would take me in and uh, make me do something extra, you know, and just a couple of examples. One time he took, I think, three different guys. We went in. He made them do as many pull-ups as they could, and then he told me, you have to beat all those guys in doing consecutive pull-ups. So add their totals together, had to do more than that. You know, another day he might hand me a 55-pound dumbbell, and we're going to do, you know, uh, dumbbell rows as many as we can until we're burned out on each side. You know, and at that time, I was, like, 135 pounds, you know. And so 55s weren't wide after wrestling practice. But uh, the one day that really sticks out to me, and this just shows you an example of a coach who's built a relationship and that really cares. Coach Atterbury kept me after practice, and I go in, and we had a brutal practice that day. I remember I was just exhausted. And he said, okay, I'm going to run you through a circuit. And so he put me on a, uh, an Aerodyne bike, so one of the assault bikes. I had to do sprints on that we had monkey bars in our wrestling room. So I had to go across the monkey bars and then had to better crawl around the rest of the mat. And we did it over and over and over. And uh, there was a point our monkey bars were all taped up because our wrestling room would get hot and they'd get real slick. So they had athletic tape around them. And anyway, my calluses got tore off. So I'm like, literally uh coach, let me stop for a second. And I'm like leaning over on my knees and I'm bleeding. Cause my calf's ripped and blood's pouring on the wrestling mats And, my dad walks in the room and he's the head coach and he looks at me and I look over at my dad and I didn't say a word, but like in my eyes, I was just screaming, like, help me, like make it stop. And he looked and just kind of like shook his head and walked out of the room and inside everything in me was just like, no, you know, when he walked out of the room like that and then coach was like ever, right, let's go. And uh, that day he literally broke me. I think he's the only coach that's ever broke me before. And because there was a point where I stopped and I was just like, I can't do it. And I started walking. He's like, what are you doing? Let's go. Bear crawling. I didn't say anything. I just looked at him and kept walking. And then all of a sudden he hit me, man. I was like, all right, I can't quit. And so I started going again. Well, Coach Atterbury didn't do that to punish me. He did that because he knew that every single day he had to challenge me. He wanted me to find my wall, my mental and physical wall, push it back and push it back. And he didn't treat every athlete like that. He treated a lot of his athletes like that. But he kinda has the ability to know how to talk to certain people, um, how to get the most out of you. He would challenge me before ever from that. You know, he would say, You gotta get this many takedowns. If you do, I'll buy you a drink afterward or something, you know, and he'd go and um give you me know, I think it was J Ray back then or something like that. And anyway, you know, he'd always have all these little challenges for me. Well, At the time, I didn't realize it as much as I did once I became a coach. He was taking his own valuable personal time doing that. He could have, you know, he had a family. He could have been at home, eating dinner, hanging out with his wife and children. But he stayed to get the most out of me. And he did that because he loved me. And he did that because we had a great relationship. And I was, I allowed him to do that and to push me because I trusted him and I believed in him. And I knew that that's how I was going to get better. You know, so sometimes we, uh, I think in America, we kind of have this macho society sometimes. And so we think about, like, the word love, or relationship, we see that as soft. You yeah. know, I'm like, hey, there ain't nothing. Cotton, there's nothing cotton candy about that, man. There's nothing rainbows and sunshine about that. Um, building a relationship is showing love. And it is being there and knowing a kid and knowing their home life. You know, so for us, with our wrestlers, I want to know a little bit of their background. I want to get to know them. But sometimes it's simply, and I know that you've had a coach like this before, Josh, where – Sometimes you have a coach that you admire because, you know, they, they live what they say. And they might walk by and practice and just put their hand on your shoulder and say, hey, good work today. And literally just that one phrase just lifts you up. It takes you from a place of maybe you're almost mentally broken, and it just picks you up. So it can be that simple. Or it might be pulling a kid aside after practice because you know something's going on with them or you've seen their grades or struggling or whatever and really talking to them about it and find out what's going on you know yeah, you, and then you know, sometimes just being light and laughing with them man so yeah go ahead well it reminds me I mean I, I listening to you talk it just brings back a lot of memories I remember um, when you came to Labette or when I had signed with Labette you are at Missouri Valley you are coming to Labette and I was like oh great you know he's going to be at my weight we wrestled in high school and then you were like two weight classes above which was a relief to me uh because I had a real hard time wrestling you man that year, but mm. you know, my in, in high school. So I thought, okay, so we built the relationship, but I could tell you you trained different. You trained different when we were at Labette than everybody else and you knew you were well and that that may have been not only from your coaches in high school, your dad the Coach Atterbury, but also Missouri Valley. You probably you probably a year more seasoned, I would say, than the rest mm-hmm. of us. But your training was different. I remember when you were cutting late, you're usually three to five over and you could get it get it off quicker where a bunch of us were yo-yoing up and down on our weights and and that kind of thing and so I learned a lot by watching you but you you, you spoke about it with Jody Thompson. Jody Thompson, I come out of high school and probably I wouldn't say that I had um, I wouldn't say I had the best of coaches. Uh, the coach I had when I was there in high school, uh, Coach Eddie Sullivan was was phenomenal uh, but he moved to, to another town coach. I'll never forget that i lost in the regional semifinals he walked over to me wasn't even my coach anymore right but we had a relationship he just looked at me a bunch mm-hmm. of our friends were kind of all jacking around after it was a break in between and he goes uh, he just looked at me and everybody kind of stopped and he goes i'm disappointed in you and he just pointed at me and that's all he said and just stood there and looked at me the whole crowd of people were like whoa and then another guy was sitting right next. He goes, well, what the heck does he, what right does he have to say that to you? He's not your coach. I'm like, no, he is, he, he'll, he's not my coach now, but he will always be my coach because he was my first coach. Yeah. And, and it, it lit a fire in me. It did. But yeah. I remember when we were at Labette together and Jody Thompson, he just changed my life in terms of, you know, I wouldn't say the toughest conditioning that we had, but he expected us to do it outside of some really good tech, uh, technical stuff, but he, he really made you believe you could win, you know, but I will yeah. never forget. And after that, you, I think you, you, I know you remember this, we lost in the O show and he really wasn't that tough of a coach on us all the time, but he lit into us after that, neo O show duel, cause we lost it in the uh, weight room. And it's just a, a, a you know, I'd never seen him get that fired up, but that's how much he believed we should have won, you know? Yeah. And uh, he was probably one of my best coaches um, that I had. You know, uh, you and I went on to another college after and well, I think we were spoiled, you know, by some good coaching at LeBet. But absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just watch you, how you coach. Like when I bring Red in, um, just how you you put your hands on him. You don't take it easy on him. You find out where his strengths, weaknesses are. You talk to him. And I call you probably once every couple weeks or more and and I'm always asked like, okay, we're having trouble in this situation. We're having trouble. You have a unique ability to be able to, over the phone, you know what I'm talking about without even being there and seeing it. Mm. And, um, it's, I think it's hard to find a good coach these days. I mean, not to mention, you know, in high school, it's not like you're getting paid a lot. So it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to find those, you know, especially in Oklahoma. But, um, you know, so tell me, let's talk a little bit about your, um, I mean, it's a unique perspective because I'm still coaching Rhett, but I have other coaches around my view and I have other coaches too. But, uh, so, but your dad was your coach. And mm. so, so did, he? was he hands on with you or did he kind of turn you over to Coach Atterbury? Well, I mean, what was it? I mean, I'm sure the relationship is a little tough because you, you go home and there's your coach, which is your dad, right? So, yeah. So what, what, I mean, tell me about that a little bit, the, the, how that, how that, the, the process there. Yeah, it is. I tell you what being dad and coach is really tough on the dad coach, and it's really tough on the athlete. Uh, Maybe other people out there have made it work better. I know for my dad and I, that was difficult. So when I was younger, I don't know that it was that difficult. But once I got into high school and he was my head coach, um, for one thing on my perspective, and this, this couldn't have been easy on him, but I'm certain there were a number of times he coached me the same as he coached everybody else. But I took it. I took offense to it. I always felt like it was a personal attack. And part of that is because he's my dad, right? And if another coach had said those things to me, I probably would have just been like, yes, sir, and took it to heart and would have done it. But when my dad said it, a lot of times I felt like it was an attack. Now, he has told me a number of times he felt like he was maybe a little too hard on me in some of those areas in which he had backed off. Um, so there's a real fine line. So I think for dads that are coaches out there, one, if you are the main coach, I mean, that's your job. you got to coach them up and try to make sure that you're doing it the best you can. You already have that built-in relationship, right, whenever you're the dad and you're coaching your son. But I think something that all parents have to think about and realize is this, and especially with, um, I'll speak from this, from boys with their dads, Okay, I'm sure daughters with their moms is similar, but, you know, from a personal perspective, boys with their dads. Every boy wants to please his dad. You know, he wants his dad to be proud of him. And a lot of times we equate, as athletes, winning with love. And sometimes that's the parent's fault, too. And I see it as a coach with some of the parents that um, I have of, you know, some of my athletes. And so here's what I'm talking about. If your kid goes out and they win – and they win, you are high-fiving them and hugging them and saying you're proud of them and those type of things. They equate that with love, right? Mm-hmm. But if your kid loses and you give them the cold shoulder and you don't talk to them for two days or you turn and walk away when they're coming up or you grab them immediately and tell them a hundred things they did wrong, well, they equate that with a lack of love. And so it's really, It's really difficult for coaches um, with their own children to kind of separate that because the kid a lot of times wants to wants to please his dad who's the coach and wants to make sure that he's loved. That's the main thing that all people have within them. And so there's a real fine line there. So you have to make sure that you let them know, hey, I love you win or lose. I'm here for you win or lose. Yeah, when I push you, they so go, you have, to make, you have to make sure that you're telling the kids, hey, I love you win or lose. I push you because I care about you. If I didn't care about you, I wouldn't push you. But at the same time, you got to figure out that kid, and that's where that relationship comes in. Um, we have a rule you know, amongst our coaching staff. We don't talk to the athletes, and I got this from Coach Thompson. We don't talk to the athletes right after a match. Win or lose, when they go by, I might pat them on the back or high-five them, and that's it. Because we all know that in sports, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And for a lot of athletes, they're more critical of themselves than anybody else that ever could be. And so if a kid wins, well, we expect it to win. I'm yeah. pumped about it. And there's times I'm going to jump up and show emotion. But for the most part, I want to try to be pretty level. I'm I going to high-five the kid and just a great job. Okay? Or I might just pat him on the back. And if they lose, I'll pat him on the back again. All right? But if they lose especially, we don't want to go talk right away because they're hard on themselves. They're down. Um, they're not going to hear anything you say, especially if you're the dad. So take a little time, you know, and, and I study these things a lot, and you know, studies, are, studies show that one of the worst times for athletes in any sport is the car ride home. And the yeah. reason for and, and kids have said that over and over, and the reason for that is a lot of times mom and dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever they're riding home with begins to talk about the game or the match and they begin to critique every little thing. And and everybody needs a decompression time, especially after a loss. I think I so. know that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because, because, yeah. because Jesse will sit there and go, okay, Josh, like she'll look over at me. She goes, Josh, you're still talking about it. Like, I mean, she gives me that look like he needs, he doesn't need to hear it anymore right now. Not, and I'm not talking about a winner or lose. I'm talking about just the passion about wrestling in general after a tournament or something. And mm-hmm. she goes, do, do you ever decompress? Like, seriously and I'm going I don't know if I do or not but yeah but, but he's more like her and so that's a good point and I remember he he had a loss at the Northwest Regional um, about three weeks ago and wrestled really good and uh, I had a guy from Idaho coaching him and he goes just don't talk to him if he wins or he loses he goes just give him some time and and I, usually I just tell him what he did good but then what we have to work on but they know of that and you know, and, yeah. and, it, and so what you just said is so important. And, it, you know, it, I remember Jody being that way after I won or I lost. It was, I didn't, I didn't see him for a bit. Of course he had nine other guys to coach, but, yeah. but that's unique. Like you're saying it, cause that's, that's a, a question in my mind is how you have, what was it? 14 weights in high school. So like every single one of them are going to have a different personality. you got a big job. I mean, as a head coach, you got a huge job to be able to relate and talk and build that relationship. And I don't know, man. uh, I think you guys deserve to get paid a whole lot more than what you do. I mean, I'm just that's my opinion. You guys are some the most important people in a kid's life. Um, I mean, it's just you know, it's amazing to me what you guys do. But um, well, that's interesting because I remember talking to you about. I mean, and Martin's a phenomenal guy. I talked to him over at. I think we talked over at Cushing Tournament and uh he still coaches from the even though he's not coaching, right? I mean he's still coaching. Yeah, yeah he's retired. Yeah, and I mean I learned I always learn things from him. I mean I always learn things the 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 wisdom. I think that's a that is an art that kids have if they can learn it is learn from people who've already been there before you, you know, and uh but I've always when I talk to him I learned something new. And uh so it's a blessing. You had him, obviously, as a dad, but then as a coach, too. Um, You're a well-coached coming into LaBette, though. There's no question about it. Yeah. I remember the discipline, but there's discipline and there's being coached. And you, you were well-coached coming into – how many times did you All-American in, in college? Uh, just once. i make you once. Was that at yeah. Was it yeah, I was at LaBette. So, I mean, uh had an unfortunate injury in my senior year. So, anyway, but – yeah, I was, I was well coached, man. And, you know, here's the, one of the beautiful things about that is now as a coach, there are a lot of times where uh, maybe I can't get through to a kid or there's a situation and, you know, I can lean on my dad, you know, was my coach. So, and we, you know, we have a great relationship and, uh, and we didn't so a lot of times remember I was competing. And so, you know, now I can call him and I'll just say, Hey, dad, you know, what do you think about this? And he can give me technical advice with wrestling. He can give me uh, some wisdom on how to deal with the kid because he's been there and done that. And, you know, anything, just a different perspective, maybe something or a way that I had not looked at it before. And so, but I try to do that. I feel like coaches in general, uh, study other great coaches and see what they do, you know. And then for almost anything in life, you need to do this, but have yourself a board of directors, you know. And anyone, if you are... Um, with a major organization, you're going to have a board of directors and you're going to have high quality people on that. And so coaches, you should have a board of directors, even if people don't know that they're on your board, right? So maybe there's someone, maybe a Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy doesn't know me from anyone, but he's on my board of directors and it can change from time to time, at least for a while, because I would study his books and I would learn from him. But then there are also people that I know that I can call on and I can gather wisdom from those people and so I think all coaches, you know, continue to study, look at what the greats do, um, continue to progress. But like I said, I have a board of directors that you can run things by and gain a different perspective, a different way of looking at it. You can implement some of their strategies. And it doesn't mean that everything that someone tells you is something that you can use within your program, but there are a lot of things. And uh, one more thing real quick on that is my dad was a good example of that. And talk about me. He's in the National Hall of Fame for coaching. Mm-hmm. But talk about a man who uh, was not prideful when it came to coaching. I literally remember being in high school, or maybe I was even in college, and I was with my dad. There was a weekend off, and we went to a kids' club tournament. And I remember a little kid was out there wrestling, and he did something. He pinned the guy. And my dad's like, I've never seen that done that way. And the kid came off the mat, and he was like nine. And my dad grabbed him and his coach and said, hey, what'd you do right there? Can you show me how you set that up? And the kid did it. And I just remember thinking, like, this is a coach who's been around a long time. He's a great technician. And he's asking a nine-year-old how to do this piece of technique. You know, that's a man who is always learning all the time. And then he can take that and pass it on. So I always remember that. And for me, I try to do that, continually learning all the time. And we know, I mean, all you got to do is watch college wrestling, right? Watch Penn State. The game progresses. I mean, wrestling, you know, I like to look at wrestling as a martial art. And, uh, there are a lot of facets to it and that's something we could talk about at a different times. Okay. Just two questions real quick. Um, yeah. So you're, you have two young boys. Okay. So you're going to, it's going to, if, if they wrestle, but if, if they do wrestle, um, you're going to have to, for example, there's, um, I, I see it. I'll just say I, I see it, uh, coaching where there's a coach and he's coaching other young kids around that kid's weight or that age, whatever. And, and we're highly competitive people. I mean, i you compete with. So I can see it that I say a coach is like, I want you with that kid so we can figure out how he wrestles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the kid may get 15 reps in, but then the other kid he's wrestling with, I'm talking to son gets 15 reps and the other kid doesn't get hardly anything. How do you, I mean, first of all, we see it. We see it all the time that there's major favoritism being shown, but as a good coach, I think as a good coach, You've got to separate that competitive um, mind, if you will, and say, I've got to coach the whole team to make them better. And if a a kid beats my kid, then a kid beats my kid. It's just That's just the way it is. But, I mean, I'm talking people make it blatant. I've seen it like absolutely. I mean, people will talk about like, does he ever give this other kid any reps in? I mean, or is it just about his kid? So, I mean, you're going to get in that situation at some point. Uh, How is your dad in that situation? Like in Because, I mean, you had, you had guys in your room that were maybe around your weight that's pretty competitive, but you're going to have sons mm-hmm. that are wrestling that. There's going to be kids around your boy's weight, uh, and you're, and you're going to have to separate that dad coach. To, I mean, you want your kid to win, obviously. Yeah. But what do you do in that situation? I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll come at it from a couple different perspectives. One is, you know, as a parent, you want to make sure that you're providing your kids with the best coaches that you can. You know, some people, maybe they'll say they lived in a small town. And there's only one club and one coach. Well, you got what you got, right? But then sometimes you live in a, maybe a larger area or there's some surrounding towns that maybe have good coaches that you can take your kids to. But you want to take them as somebody who uh, shares values with you. You know, someone who knows wrestling. But I don't care if a guy knew wrestling, but his moral character was terrible. I would not let him coach my children, period. Um, so I want someone that has – they don't have to be just like me, right, because we need different perspectives to grow, but someone who shares some common values with you. That's one thing. And then that knows wrestling. And then, of course, we need to have you know, – you've got to make sure that you put your kids in place where they have some workout partners. Um, that's always critical. And then as a coach, you know, as a coach, man, you, yeah, you have to separate yourself and you have to be fair. And I can tell you, whenever I was an assistant coach, you know, it was fun. It was fun because there are times I got to run practice or show technique or run conditioning, but I also got to kind of have guys that were my guys. And I would go and wrestle live with them every day or after practice and work out with them. And, you know, the head coach was kind of like, hey, take these guys right here and make them better. But as the head coach, I can't do that. You know, there are kids in my room that, um, and I've had some studs that, honestly, I would love to go wrestle live with that kid or at least drill with that kid. Every single day, but if I did, I also have 52 other kids in my wrestling room that are not getting my my attention, that are not getting my help, and that's not fair. Mm -hmm. And people see that, right? I mean, they look over and they see that. Not to say you can't work with the stud because you can, but you got to make sure that you are, as a head coach, um, not showing favoritism. And you're working with everybody. You're trying to make everybody better. Well, especially for for me, especially your own son, though. That's a whole difference. It's a yes. whole different layer. And, and sometimes, you know, I think coaches can overdo it where they, like, don't want to show favoritism to their kids, and so they, like, almost go the opposite direction. I, but I think as much as you can, you want to make sure that you're just doing it evenly across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, and so for me, like, I make sure I tell my assistant coaches, and if there are kids that they need to be worked with, hey, make sure you're going over your work with this kid or you're building a relationship with this kid because we want to get in his life because he really needs it. All right. Um, my dad told me this a long time ago. He said, Your good kids are going to be good. You know, and we're going to continue to make them better. But a real coach takes below average kids and helps them become average and takes average kids and helps them become good. And then your good kids, you know, it's not going to take a whole lot extra to make them great. And so we're always going to do that. But, you know, people just can't show favoritism to one person in the room, whether it's their kid or somebody else. You just can't. It's not fair to the other kids are in that situation. So as a parent, you know, if my, like I said, if my son's decided to run home, if we were in that situation, uh, I would go over and talk to the coach. You know, I would just try to say, hey, coach, I want to talk to you man-to-man. This is not a personal attack. This is something that I see, and um, I want to know why you're doing it. You know, and say, to my eyes, it looks like, you know, your own son is getting, you know, let's say 15 reps, and the guy he's working out with is only getting two reps. You know, is there a reason behind it? Sometimes there's a method behind the madness, right, and we don't see it at all button. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes intentions were good, and sometimes they were not. Um, so, you know, we would have a talk about it. And if the intentions were good and there was a reason for it, cool, let's move on. And if there wasn't or if it continued on and it was an unfair situation, then we're probably just not going to be part of that group. We're probably going to go yeah. somewhere else and um, seek out, coaching that we want and seek out you know, partners that we want and it's unfortunate if that's maybe one of the best rooms around um, you know, or even one of the best coaches around but again man if you, if you don't want your children because kids pick up everything people oh, pick up everything right yeah. so they, they not only pick up the technique being taught but they pick up the mannerisms they pick up the moral characteristics and people look up to coaches you know Billy Graham I had a quote, and he said, you know, a coach will affect more people in one year than most people affect in a lifetime. And I believe that's true 100%. And that could be positive or negative, you know. And sports themselves don't teach lessons. I mean, a double leg never taught me a lesson. Now, a double leg is a great move, and it's good for self-protection, and it's good for wrestling. But it's just a double leg. Now, a coach can come in, and he can teach technique, but he can also, and he should, every coach should in every sport, Take advantage of the opportunity to teach life lessons while we're doing these things. And wrestling is a great place to do that. You know, you're going to lose and you've got to recover from that quickly and get your mind right again. But well, That's I, something to wrestling. Yeah, that was the thing. So a thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, if, so if a coach is not teaching those things or if they're teaching, even through their actions, uh, something that you don't want your children to learn, and it's got to be addressed or, or something different has to take place. Mm-hmm. Well, That was awesome, and that's and that's true. I mean, you know, and Rep I mean, we've all. I mean, every kid will get in that situation at some point, probably. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're good, they're gonna. And and I just told Red it happened to him. I said, "Listen, if you're not getting all the reps, some other kid is, and the dad's coaching there. There's a learning lesson from it. I mean, actually, if you're listening and don't take it personal, you know, and from what's going on, if you really." if you really listen to what's going on and what, he, what this coach is teaching to his son, you're the one learning. Mm-hmm. If, you do, if you do it the right way, you're, you don't have to have the reps. I mean, I want you to have the reps, but if you listen to what what he's trying to say here, take notes of that because there's something important there. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's what I said. I said, you know, and, and it, 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 it does happen. And so it's just one of those things, but I think, uh, I don't know. I would have you coach my kid in a heartbeat because um, you understand what you're doing. You, um, you know, you coach some really good kids, and and you you put some put some kids. In, I mean, you had one kid. Uh, well, it was a Fargo was it a Fargo Greco runner up or a Fargo uh, Greco champ, right? That you were talking about not too long ago. Uh, I think I've had guys that I personally. Some of them have wrestled in high school for me. Some are kids in other areas that I've trained. Yeah, um, I think I've had four or five Fargo champions in, in both Greco and freestyle. But see, we're not so, – I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Kansas are not huge Gre- – the reason I bring that up, Oklahoma and Kansas are not huge Greco states. But, yeah. But if you've got a guy who can teach some some real basic fundamentals in some, some areas, it, it'll – you can take a kid and win a Fargo title without living in Idaho or living in Minnesota or living in, say, Washington, some places that are really good in Fargo or um, Greco. If you have a yeah. really good coach, you can take a kid to the very top. Um, with, with so yeah, one of my guys made the one of my guys made the Olympic trial finals. Right, and so um, anyway, and he's a Kansas kid. So wow, crazy. All right, well that's uh, that's. I'm, I'm glad I have you. I had you on. I want to bring you on on a regular basis when we're doing these Wrestling Wednesdays. Um, I know you got to get back to doing what you're doing, but um, Chad, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom as far as. You know, the topic I really wanted was, and what we got was the coaching, the, the coach athlete relationship. And, um, I could go, I could go forever on this because I have things running through my mind right now, questions, uh, that I think, you know, the audience would want to hear, but we can maybe for a different time. And, yeah. um, but I, I do, I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, man. I appreciate it. So, uh, love you, man. Thanks for being in my life and being a positive influence in my life too. Now for, for a long time. So. Awesome. All right, Chad, well, you have a good rest of the day and I'll I'll catch you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks, man.